Sunday Morning's podcast, sponsored by QuickBooks, backing you. If you work for yourself, don't think of that sound as a receipt being crumpled. Think of it as lost deductions, because every business receipt you lose is cash lost. $5, $3, $2. And if you misplace $10 of business receipts every workday for a year, that's $2,600 in lost deductions, unless you've already snapped them with QuickBooks. Snap and sort your expenses for maximum deductions at tax time. Visit QuickBooks.com. Smarter business tools for the world's hardest workers. QuickBooks, backing you. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. As campaign 2018 enters its final weeks, women running for office are front and center across the country. Not that the path forward will be easy, as one campaign veteran will tell Tony DeCopel. Call it another year of the woman. Call it a pink wave. Across the country, a record number of women are running for office. But Hillary Clinton will tell you they're running uphill. Men can yell, men can pound on the podium, and if I got excited and I shouted, oh my gosh, she's shouting. Sexism, politics, and the old boys club, coming up on Sunday morning. And more, all coming up when our Sunday morning podcast continues. And now a page from our Sunday Morning Almanac. Will he pull through? Doctors are not optimistic. October 12, 1998. 20 years ago this past Friday. The day Matthew Shepard, a gay man just 21 years old, died of injuries he'd received in a beating five days earlier. A mountain biker spotted Shepard tied to a fence outside Laramie, Wyoming, barely alive battered almost beyond recognition. Within days, police arrested Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney, in whose truck they discovered Shepard's ATM card, along with a pistol coated in blood. The pair had offered Shepard a ride home from a bar, but took him instead to the outskirts of Laramie and beat him savagely with the gun. At his trial, Aaron McKinney attempted to argue that he'd reflexively attacked Shepard after Shepard had made an unwanted advance on him, the so-called gay panic defense that the judge rejected out of hand. McKinney and Henderson were both found guilty. Each is serving a double life prison term. The deadly attack on Matthew Shepard sparked outrage around the world and made him a martyr to the cause of gay rights. And in that spirit, it was announced this past week that Matthew Shepard's remains are to be interred later this month in a place of honor at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Many of us learned as children that the words thank you can work wonders. It's a lesson, Steve Hartman tells us, an entire town has taken to heart. The most prominent citizen of Gresham, Oregon, 
is also the most unlikely businessman. And what is your business? It's delivery guy. 45-year-old <laughs> Todd Kiernan is autistic, although a more fitting label would be workaholic. 12 hours a day, seven days a week, sure. for almost 20 years. Yeah, I'm going there. Todd has been making deliveries and doing other odd jobs for virtually every business in downtown Gresham. Two for the dress lady. Whether it's a coffee run okay. or a run to the post office. I'm coming. He does whatever he's asked or not asked. He emptied this wastebasket at the hair salon simply because it was full. I like helping people, you know, making people happy and making people smile. In return, people tip him, of course. Hey, that's for you. But this is so not about the money. <laughs> the smiles grow far too broad. How are you doing, friend? And the hugs last far too long for this to be a purely business arrangement. Love you. I love you. No, Todd is treasured. Mm. So much so, people in Gresham have often joked that he should have his own statue. He is one of the kindest, nicest people you'll meet. He's always smiling. He's just a big part of this community. He is the town, basically. Can't imagine downtown Gresham without Todd. Unfortunately, barring a parade in his honor, there's only so much a community can do to show its appreciation, which is why they threw a parade in his honor. Last month, hundreds of people lined the streets of Gresham to pay tribute to their delivery guy. Todd loves old TV shows, so they borrowed a Batmobile to drive him into the center of town where they had another surprise waiting. Remember those jokes about the statue? Well, those jokes are now solid bronze real. This is a $54,000 likeness, paid for solely with cash and in-kind donations. How cool is that? Thank you for everyone being here for me in Gresham. And I love you guys. In most cities, statues are reserved for founders and war heroes. But here in Gresham, they believe a simple passion done with unconditional love. That is great work. Belongs on a pedestal, too. Just 23 days until Election Day, with a new wave of women running for office, Tony DeCopel sizes up their chances. You would think that women are sort of taking over American you politics. You might even think, like, enough already. Yeah, right? The attention is to the surge or the tsunami or the, the pink, pink wave. wave. <laughs> and so all of the rhetoric makes it appear as if women are going to be well represented October 15th. You Kelly Dittmar has been tracking what, in some ways, really is a standout year for female political candidates. Pennsylvania's all-male congressional delegation will change when voters go to the polls in November. In all, more than 500 women announced runs for Congress and governorships in 2018. We're looking at a record year for women. Sure, we have a record number of women running. A it sounds impressive, right? But this record year looks a little different when you take the longer view, as Dittmar does at the Center for American Women and Politics at Rutgers University in New Jersey. Since the first Congress in 1789, fewer than 3% of America's national political leaders have been women, and the pace of change has been slow. The first woman, Jeanette Rankin from Montana, joined the House in 1917. 
But it took until 1992, the so-called year of the woman. Washington is going to be a very different place. To get to 10% representation. And today, it's just 20%. It should be seen as a problem by any citizen in this country that over 50% of the population is only holding 20% of seats in its major policymaking body. A desire to change those numbers is a major reason why many women are running. But it's not the only reason. Would all this be happening if I had been elected president? In a new afterword to her memoir, published by Simon & Schuster, a division of CBS Corporation, Hillary Clinton says she believes that in addition to Russian election meddling there is evidence and the investigation into her emails, sexism also helps explain her loss. You mentioned a file on sexism in politics. Mm -hmm. Do you really have a file? I do. I do. It's a file that tells a somewhat um, sobering story about how hard it is to break through the mindsets that people have. And it is difficult for many people, and not just men, a lot of women, to think, wait a minute, this woman is going to be a governor or a member of Congress or my mayor or maybe even a president. You're likable enough. Thank you so much. (laughs) A two-time presidential candidate, perhaps no one knows more about what it's like to campaign as a woman. If you watched the way Trump debated me, it was just imbued with sexism, making fun of me for preparing. Well, you know, that's the old, like, oh, yeah, the girl in the class who's always prepared. I don't need to be prepared. I'm MJ Hagar, and tattoos can show you one of the reasons I'm running for Congress. But this year, the expectations and the perception for female candidates may be changing. As a commander, Elaine didn't care what political party you were in. She always put country first. As women can be seen campaigning as powerful leaders without downplaying their gender. Courage is contagious. I can tell you I would have never imagined running for any elected office two years ago. Johanna Hayes is a candidate for the House in Connecticut. In 2016, she was Teacher of the Year, and now she's one of many women running as first-time candidates. People should not vote for anyone because of one singular thing. But I think the fact that I am a woman, that so many women are running, adds some perspective to the conversation. Raised by my grandmother while my mom struggled with addiction, became a mom at 17. We cannot have a Congress that speaks on behalf of women and LGBTQ community transgenders when those people are not represented in that Congress. Hayes is a Democrat, as are about three quarters of the women running for seats in the House. And perhaps here's why. 92% of Democrats think it's important that women are elected to political office. 50% of Republicans feel the same. Thank you. But that hasn't stopped Republicans like Kimberlyn Brown Peltzer. Women tend to sit back and watch things happen from a political standpoint. And I'll tell you, the last three years, they've become more vocal than any time I can personally remember in, in history. We'll know exactly what neighborhoods to hit. Brown Peltzer, a former soap opera star who came to national attention at the 2016 Republican convention. You know, one one third of small businesses are owned by women. Is a House candidate in California who says that putting more women in office is a bipartisan goal. I think women still don't believe that they have that opportunity. They still are afraid of stepping through that good old boys club door. And many, including Hillary Clinton, believe the recent bitter hearings for Judge Brett Kavanaugh showed sexism is still front and center in American politics. 
Look at the display we saw of Republican men in this the, the confirmation hearings where they're yelling and screaming Sham. to a witness who's yelling and screaming. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. And you saw two distinguished women senators, Dianne Feinstein, one of the deans of the Senate. All we have. You're interviewing me. Say. You're interviewing me. You're, you're doing it, Senator. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're well, doing it. Amy Klobuchar, a former prosecutor, and the witness, a federal judge, is baiting them. You're asking about, yeah, blackout. I don't know, have you? Questioning them? He didn't do that to the men. The Kavanaugh hearing also turned attention back to the Me Too movement, which complicates Clinton's place in women's history. In the 1990s, she stood by her husband, Bill Clinton, as he denied allegations of sexual harassment and assault. What role, if any, did you play in criticizing the character of the women who have accused Bill of sexual misconduct? None. No None. role? No role. I take responsibility for my life and my actions. She also stood by his side as he was impeached after lying about his affair with a White House intern. Some today have said he should have stepped down. In retrospect, do you think Bill should have resigned in the wake of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Absolutely not. It wasn't an abuse of power? No, no. There are people who look at the incidents of the 90s and they say a president of the United States cannot have a consensual relationship with an intern. The power imbalance is too great. Who was great. an adult. But let me ask you this. Where's the investigation of the current incumbent against whom numerous allegations have been made and which he dismisses, denies, and ridicules. So there was an investigation, and it, as I believe, came out in the right place. That incumbent may well be one of the reasons so many women are running for office in 2018. Still, even by the most generous projections, when all the votes are counted, Congress will still be at least 75% men. But consider this. One of the women running for office today, for the first time, in the decades ahead, could become the first female president. Well, I hope we get there sooner. <laughs> I <Okay>. really do. <laughs> but you're right. And maybe could be the second, third, to fourth female president. How about that? Just in, breaking news is breaking out everywhere. Faith Saley has the very, very latest. If you're just joining us, I'm covering some breaking news. You know news is breaking because I'm telling you so, and I might touch my earpiece like this. And it's also important that you read breaking news right there in the corner of the screen. And if you turn the channel to any other cable news outlet, you're going to see the same thing. So don't look away from our breaking news to their breaking news. Breaking news, though, right now on the Good evening, we have breaking news. According to CNN and MSNBC and Fox, everything is important right now. We are getting breaking news now. Which means nothing is important. It's like the boy who cried wolf, Blitzer. And we're following breaking news. I'm Wolf Blitzer. Breaking news is not a new angle on an ongoing story. It's not that the president tweeted. And sadly, it's not that 45 million Americans are under the threat of extreme weather. Historically, breaking news meant a trusted broadcaster interrupted a program with an urgent report of something everyone should know. And I gave it a great deal of thought, Grandpa. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. 
This is Walter Cronkite in our newsroom. There has been an attempt, as perhaps you know now, on the life of President Kennedy. This happened rarely, and we snapped to attention because some man was making as the world turns stop turning. Mob behavior. Then cable news was born, and 24-hour channels need news all the time. But now that we can get stories with the swipe of a thumb from social and digital media, cable news begs for our eyeballs by breaking stuff. Let me, let me interrupt you. Congresswoman, let me interrupt you just for a moment. We've got some breaking news out of Miami. Justin Bieber has been arrested on a number of charges. Breaking news is not fake news, but fake urgency. Breaking news involving the Russia investigation. This discredits journalism. At a time when our press is under assault, a great way to up the cred of the fourth estate would be to discriminate in how it delivers its stories. All right, we begin with the Fox News alert. The fallout from the offbeat Oval Office remarks by Kanye West only heating up tonight. We're hungry for depth, not drama. We can all agree on this. If something keeps breaking all the time, it's broken. I'm Jane Pauley. Thank you for listening. And please join us again next Sunday morning.